Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Luke Martin and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. TRCT is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you are a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, remember there are now over 100 episodes of Talking Tourism Conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them off the TRCT website at tict.com.au. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner, Hype TV. Hype is TRCT's official AV and production partner, offering a range of services in the media production arena, from conceptual creative to full production and accident delivery. Thanks to Hype TV for their generous support of TRCT and for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism possible. And now let's get on to today's conversation. And I'm talking to Liz Ward, founder and CEO of Tourism Tribe. G'day, Liz. Hi, Luke. How are you going? Good. And you're coming to us from Queensland, from Brizzy. I am. Yes, I am. Our, our team is scattered all over the place. But yeah, a couple of us are in Brisbane and uh, yeah. Lovely to be here. Lovely to be talking to you in Tassie, though. I cannot tell you how many of our friends, every time I turn around, somebody says to me, I'm taking a trip to Tassie or we've just come back from Tasmania. There must be so many Queenslanders I, I, I think the, the, uh, the natural order of things at the moment is that a lot of Queenslanders are finding Tassie as a very appealing place to get out, do their first post-COVID trip. And there's a hell of a lot of Tasmanian families who are been making beelines to theme parks and, um, and Sunshine Coast getaways uh, over the last few months. So I think there's a good bit of traffic both ways. Um, I now, think so. Uh, give us a spiel on Tourism Tribe. Um, it's I, I know a lot of operators be slightly familiar with it, but just explain to us who you are and what you do. Sure. So my business partner, Fabian Wintle, and I started Tourism Tribe in 2015, and we've, we've had this shared vision of how can we help the tourism industry who are just so dedicated to what they do? They're all over the most beautiful regional parts of Australia and the world. And technology is just moving so quickly. What's the solution for them to have like almost like a 24-7 always on resource that they can get to to be able to help them and get the support and hands-on kind of help that they need as small businesses to be able to use technology smart and keep growing their businesses by the appropriate use of, of digital marketing and, and digital business tools. So we had this vision of doing it differently to what was the case back then, which was government subsidises a workshop for half a day, drive, you know, operators drive for ages, go in there, hear a whole lot of motivating stuff, go back and get busy again and don't get to do anything. So we yeah. knew they needed that that. that ongoing help. So we established Tourism Tribe, an online platform, um, but we pride ourselves on being high tech or high touch. So there's plenty of human support in there. We're on a daily basis. Our team and our coaches are, are, you know, on Zoom or face-to-face with operators, really doing it with them and helping them. Plus, we have um, some amazing online courses that we just keep evolving and adding to, all designed for busy small business people who just need that short kind of 
you know, grabs of information, but full of, you know, real examples and things they can really relate to. And uh, the other great tool that we have is our digital engagement health check, which is an amazing tool where our assessors, they are using our system that's really nicely evolved now to do an assessment of the online presence of the tourism business, looking at all the key fundamental platforms of their website and search and Google my business and social and online reputation and give them a report back full of tips about the opportunities for them. So that's a, that's a bit of a synopsis of yeah. what we offer, what we do. We love doing it. Um, and recently we've actually just started another business called Navi, which uh, the federal government gave us some funding to start up because they liked what we were doing in tourism so that we can help small business generally. So we've got a lot going on, um, uh, but we're having a great time doing it. And it's so good that we can help people at you know such a, a critical time and such a weird time that we've gone through over the last couple of years. We might come back. Well, I just wouldn't mind getting your general views on how business is going, but we might do that at the end, just we'll get into the, the, the real topic of the conversation. But I just, uh, your website is? Tourismtribe.com. Yeah, tourismtribe.com. I'm looking at it right now and there's a, a, all your programs and services and, and courses are there for anyone who wants to take up and have a look and have a bit of a hunt around. But the reason I've got you on and the thing we can probably deep dive into a little bit is something I'm really interested in, this transformation that we're all going through around how we're um, engaging with the market um, over through COVID and post-COVID. And I think the trend was already on before COVID and it's just been, been expedited around online marketing and, and online customer engagement, particularly around, I think, the tourism experiences and, and how we were uh, you know, inquiring with people and not necessarily looking at websites, but wanting to have that direct connectivity through whatever social media streams or sites we've got. I guess I want to see your perspective on how do you think that trend is shifting and let's unpack what a small business operator can do to sort of take and embrace that. Yeah, thanks for that, Luke. Yeah, I've, we've been doing some research into this um, because we, you know, we've got to keep our finger on the pulse. We've got to know what's going on. We've got to keep adapting um, to be able to help businesses. And it's really interesting. I mean, we there wouldn't be anybody who's interested enough in business who's listening to, to this podcast who wouldn't agree that we are used to how quickly um, and exponentially quickly technology changes. So we know that that's been, you know, happening ever since we started to use the internet and it just accelerated. But what's been really interesting has been um, how COVID has triggered even greater take up by across all demographics and particularly the older generation um, in their confidence in using digital technology. So this makes complete sense when you think about it, you think of um, the growth in people online purchasing. So for essentials or entertainment or, you know, it's a safe, contactless way and they had to, consumers had to. And I'm not just talking about travel here because obviously there was a great hiatus on travel for in certain states, very elongated periods of time. Mm. But generally speaking, Australia posted a study and from one year to the next during COVID, there was over a 24% growth in online purchasing. Now, um, PayPal reported the biggest ever, like they'd never seen growth like it in terms of um, downloads or creation of PayPal accounts. Um, And where that was driven is in what they call the silver tech generation, so 50 to 75-year-olds. And a lot of tourism operators very much relate to that market as a target market. Um, you know, be absolutely a target market for a lot of tourism uh, operators in Tassie. Um, 
And so for the first time ever, they had the confidence to purchase online. Add that to that people everywhere were um, Zooming or FaceTiming. You know, they, they were talking to their families overseas on FaceTime and they'd never done that before. So this this concept of, of live video, and you know, and they could do it. They could work out how to do it. If you think about what do you reckon that the, the most said three words were during COVID? You're on mute. You're, you're on, on mute. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You're on mute. Has to be, doesn't it? You know, now it's just how many times now that people don't acknowledge, they just roll their eyes and just um <laughs> just wait for the person to click on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So Zoom, if God, if you were if you had any kind of ownership or shares yeah. in Zoom, wouldn't you have loved it? Because they just grew like wildfire. And QR codes, people had you know, before COVID if we suggested to a tourism operator that they could use a QR code for people to be able to get a check-in form or do whatever, they yeah. would be like, what is a QR code? Yeah. I can't make one of those. Of course you can. But now everybody knows what a QR code is. So we've seen that. And this isn't going to go backwards. No. This is wholesale shift in, in older generation and all people's, all demographics' confidence in using um, digital technology. So yeah. that's awesome. But now where some people, tourism operators, were pretty good, they, you know, they're like, oh, my website's pretty good, I've, you know, I've uh, I've got things pretty much in order, I'm not doing too badly on social media, I've got online booking, I've got a good online reputation. So the fundamentals were being ticked off. But th- that this has been a game changer mm. in terms of the consumer's confidence. And one of the things that came out in doing our research um, was what we found is that the consumer expectation for online service has shifted. So there is now a higher expectation on what is acceptable service if I am shopping online, if I am, say, if you, let's take the tourism context and the travel purchase cycle, so I'm in that early stage of dreaming and I'm imagining going to Tassie and I know my friends have been there, oh, what's that? place called Cradle Mountain and what's what's so good about Tassie Pinos or, you know, they're thinking about the experiences that they've heard people talk about and then they move into the planning stage. Now tourism operators have to know that the expectation is they're comparing them to, say, their shopping experience with another online provider in a different sector. It could be, you know, like in banking or something where there's a live chat they're getting sensible answers back on the live chat. They're being put through to a human reasonably quickly. You know, so there's been this shift in terms of online servicing and the expectation. Um, we went, we knew um, before COVID that the growth in online messaging and live chat, thinking about those, you know, that mechanism to directly talk to a supplier as a consumer when you're in that that sort of shopping experience had had grown enormously because consumers were really taking to it and they didn't want to talk to somebody and they didn't want to send an email and wait for a yeah, response. response. So, they just, you know, they just wanted to use their fingers on their phone or, you know, whatever. And if you don't and, get um, the response within, you know, almost instantaneous, if not instantaneous, but certainly within good orderly time, then you immediately, you don't you don't pick up the phone and ring them. No, that's unless right. You are that's de- right. So, unless you're very, very, very keen to experience that product. But most people would go, well, I'm quiring if you can do a three-bedroom three, bed, three bedroom 
um, yeah. properties available. I'll send them on message on Messenger. You, yeah. It'd be large That's contingent. Right. We would right. want that response almost instantaneous. And if they don't get it, yeah. they're unlikely to pick up the phone and try and call you. That's absolutely right. We saw this in the research that big business led on this um, where they restructured and used better live chat, like chatbot technology that made sense to the human, to the first consumer. And then what they did is they scaled up their call centres and and retrained their staff to uh, look after their customers with more empathy during COVID. So, let's, so you know... So let's bring this that, down... And, this mm. is not going to mm. go away. Um, as I say, it's already no, expediated. No. And obviously there is a whole generation. Mm. You talk about the, the fact that there's a, there are parts of the population now that have been essentially indoc- embraced it as part of the COVID experience. There's also uh, a younger generation who won't know any different. So they're just yep. going to get more and more as they become of age and start becoming a major consumer group. So let's bring mm-hmm. down to a, a, a B&B operator. Uh, what would yep. a B&B operator in regional Tasmania hearing this who probably got their head in space about my ATDW listing because we slammed, rammed that down their throat, something shocking, Liz. You've you got no idea. There's not an email that goes out from anyone in the tourism industry about reminding our operators to get their ATDW listing, which is why I'm talking about it because we're going to remind them to check their ATDW listing. Uh, and if you want me to comment on that, I can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, let's emphasise the ATDW listing, Liz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, but I actually was heavily involved in the startup of the ATDW back in the day and I project managed its startup and then later on was at CEO for 10 years. I apologise for that. However, it is a really important system and I want the operators to check their ATDW listing and update it. And review it and and update it and upload a video and a deal and, you know, take advantage of it. It's another... Yeah. You're going to get another a repeat time, episode on an time. ATDW <laughs> tips and tricks, but that was a very good little segue yeah. to uh, encourage our operators. So they have checked now their ATDW listing as they're listening. They spend all their time. They've got a beautiful looking website. They've they checked their social media regularly. What else do, are we asking them to do now with this new trend towards okay. online consumers? So, so this is our B&B operator. So what- Yeah, so what you described there was everything to do with marketing, about positioning their business and being found on different channels, coming up in Google, hopefully, for the right searches. You know, they might have a balanced distribution strategy where they might be working with Booking.com and Expedia as well. But what we've got to do is shift our mindset now and go, our online presence is not just about marketing and being found. Our online presence has shifted now for engaging our customers and servicing our customers. So we have to think of it in in those terms as well, like like your on, if you had an online shop front, if you're a retailer, they're coming to my store. If I've gone to all that effort with my marketing and I get them onto my website, I've got to be ready to answer their questions and service their needs. And I know a lot of small operators would go, oh, God, I don't want to have to have messaging on my website and, and be there to answer that. Well, they don't have to because there's a whole lot of tips and tricks on doing that. But what they do have to do is be prepared to let the let that potential customer connect with them in the way they want to. So what does your potential customer want to do? They don't want to say somebody doesn't want to just hit the book now button. They've got questions. They want to know how close you are to that walk. They want to know whether they can bring their dog, whatever. Um, you've got You've been great. You've put frequently asked questions on your website. Have they bothered to read them? No. They actually want you to connect with them. So if you've got a live chat on your website, which 
in simple terms. This can be what they call a plugin to your website. There's great free plugins. We use one for our business called talk.2, T-A-W-K.2. It's free. That's great. Um, and you can set it up so that you, you know, you can have a response on there for after 5 p.m. or whatever to say, we're, we're just out having a glass of wine and some cheese as we do in the afternoon and we'll be straight back to you in the morning. It's about on their terms. Yeah. However, if you can quickly respond or you've got some FAQ responses set up to trigger to come back to them, you're immediately engaging them. And tourism operators who've implemented online chat live chat on their website report and so do other industry sectors a higher level of conversion on inquiries through live chat this is why other businesses and other sectors do it now you will so you, have noticed but i'm just seeing the consumer behavior we always know you know the dreaming stage where they they look at they they look at do the googling click on your website mm-hmm. look at TripAdvisor, mm-hmm. look at uh, your website booking.com for rates whatever they do but you can actually engage them straight away in that process if they actually go to the point. Um, it's not waiting for that booking process or that well, phone call. It's the actual fact no, that that's they're right. choosing to engage with you straight away with that inquiry and you can respond to them online straight away. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're immediately getting the impression that you understand them, that you're prepared to communicate with them on the channel that they choose. And you can win that deal because they've got somebody to talk to about it. So... It's simple, old-fashioned customer service thinking, and that's what—that's the big shift. Is that don't just—I've said it before, but I'll say it again because this is the big strategic shift. Is don't just think of your online presence as a marketing tool, and then jump straight from marketing to booking. We've got to—we've got to think of it as a old-fashioned customer. The, of service course, the flip though is well. the flip. The risk of this is if you don't respond to, if you if someone has if you're inviting oh, people, oh, you just to let it go into Never Never Land. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you've got to be smart about it. Now, these online chat tools, say if you choose not to do a plug-in but you attach the um, Facebook Messenger widget, that's not hard to do. I think we even have a blog post on our website that shows how to do it, but it's not hard to do. And um, so it replicates that Messenger um, tool that you have on your Facebook page on your website and then you use the messenger inbox and you set up frequently asked questions and auto responses in Facebook setup to respond. You want to optimise this thing. Don't just plug it in and that's it and it's like letting the phone ring out if you don't answer. You can set it up with auto responses. You can access any of these tools via your own phone. So that's a big thing as well. Tourism operators who might be pushing back a bit on using their phone and apps to service their customers. I'm afraid that it's a bit like for those operators 10 years ago that said, oh, I don't need a website or I'm not going to have online booking. Yeah. They're out of business now. So we've just got to move with the consumer. And ever since I've been involved in technology and tourism, we have seen that the consumer I, has been more digitally savvy than the business. I, I feel like and that's just normal. I feel like we're having the same conversation we've been having only five or six years ago about the responses on TripAdvisor and, and uh, online reviews. You know, those that do it, you know, whether the most, uh, you know, the most brutally negative reviews, all the evidence showed from you know Review Pro and all the all the online services, they all showed that those that responded showed that they were an engaged business, and even a negative review can be turned to a positive. Um, if you respond yep. and actually manage that complaint respectfully, that's right. This feels very similar. If you are not 
finding a forum to engage with your customers online through instantaneous messaging or in some way, um, yeah. you're going to lose them yeah. just as quick. Yeah, yeah. So, so just to close out that conversation, I would love just to spend a few minutes on video as another yeah. way of engaging customers. Um, but if people just think about options, have a look at Talk Two. We don't get paid any commission or leads or anything for that. I just know it's a really good Talk. tool that we two. use, we'll, and we'll put the notes yeah, in the Um And the guys who developed that, he was an Aussie who went over to Silicon Valley, and he's back now. So it's nice to use tool that's developed on it an Australian if you're feeling parochial um, and I just know it's good and I know we know exactly how it works so that's okay. helpful too right. and then you've got Facebook Messenger but I wanted to just a little bit because it's video. same type yeah video so because of the growth in use and confidence and desire to use video add that to what Instagram announced to this year that they're not describing Instagram anymore as a photo sharing platform. They're describing it as a video sharing and messaging platform. So there's another big flag yeah. that warns us that, okay, we're talking messaging and video. So, so big, and you know, the algorithm is preferencing video content. You've got this huge take up of stories, which yeah. are a form of video and reels. So, consumers, more and more video, they're creating their own video, live video, you know, blah. Their TikToks being advertised during the tennis. So, you know, it's like everybody's starting to, to get into it. So, as small businesses, as tourism operators, we've got to ask ourselves, how are we using video in our business? Now, I know some people immediately are going, I can't afford to get professional video shot all the time or I'm rubbish at doing video. One of the trends we've seen is that consumers' acceptance and their what they see as being um, acceptable in terms of video quality has come down because they're so used to seeing DIY videos. So, it means that, yeah, it, I'll say one thing, homepage of website your YouTube channel, yeah, get a professionally shot video. That yeah. We want that there. That's that first impression. The first impression impact, your brand the, image. the stuff that's permanently there, the, it's not instantaneous, it's yeah. not social media day-to-day -day yeah, engagement. It's, a, it's part of your marketing overall brand. And, yeah, yeah, but sprinkled, yeah, sprinkled in other parts of your website, maybe on your key service pages showing that particular tour or maybe it's on your social channels, on your, you know, your free branded YouTube channel. It's fine to have do-it-yourself videos up there. The quality has to be um, has to be something you're happy with. So you don't want rubbish light or bad sound, things like that. The video editing tools, even just using the YouTube Creator Studio editor tools or an app like veed.io, V-E-E-D.io, you know, learn how to use those. They're not as they're not as difficult as they used to be. They're more intuitive now, and just practice. You know, get some captions on the video, keep them short. Learn how to do a reel and stories on Instagram. It's one of those things that you might be holding back on, but you, we've got to move with it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, like we were saying before, Luke, that per, you know, thinking about the travel purchase cycle. Think about how useful video can be at those different stages. Yes, at the dream stage, it's amazing because it actually shows the experience and shows people like your target market enjoying that experience that you enable as a tourism operator. You could have a beautiful B&B, but you're right next to this incredible bridge and lake and, you know, so, so yes, you might... You know, that's the experience that you're enabling. So think about videos for that 
um, dream stage. Think about videos for the planning stage. So at the planning stage, they want detailed information. They, they, they want to satisfy themselves that you are for them as a, as a, as a tourism supplier. So it could be a walkthrough on your rooms in that B&B, or it could be taking the, you know, capturing some video of the tour that you're operating, really specific pieces that help them through that purchase journey. And of course, on on booking, have that live chat there, be ready to go. So you just sort of supplement on the way through. But certainly, um, and, and then of course, in socials, you're going to use video scattered across all of those stages, you know, sharing, sharing customers' videos or, you know, involving customer testimonials always, in what you're posting. I always think of the small, we got, you know, like every tourism industry in Tassie's got a band of these outstanding little independent tour operators around the state and the uh, the best branding and marketing and advertising they ever get is when one of them will post uh, something that gets picked up by one of the tourism channels of, uh, you know, a devil that they've seen and or indeed just a beautiful oh, blue sky yes. day over whichever part of the state they're in. And, you know, again, that's, a, that's one photo or indeed a video that they've posted and it just gets them so much more coverage than a lot of this oh, yeah. uh, time and, they and spend still worrying about. Do- yeah, and you would still want that mix. Like you still want to do nice image posts for sure on social and have great images on your website supporting those different stages of the purchase cycle. There's a really great stat for everyone to know that the photos that get the most engagement on social are um, photos with eyes in them. So photos of animals, faces, people's faces, and then it's nature and then it's food. So it's, um, it's those three. So you definitely want them in the mix of your content themes and what you're posting. All right, we're going to see a host of uh, devils and, uh, and Patty Mellon uh, ice uh, photos <laughs> uh, glittering the social media accounts of Tasmanian tourism businesses off the back of this. Look, Liz, thank you. There's some nuggets of insight into there, and I think the key message is, as I say, this feels like in tourism it is a constant evolving process. It's the next great opportunity or, I guess, trend uh, around online activity that our businesses need to get their head around. And, and again, it seems can be overwhelming, but there are some – you've given us a couple of really clear – uh, resources and insights to, to that we can all pick up on. So we'll put them in the story Amazing. notes at the bottom of the podcast. And um, thank you for your enthusiasm for sharing it with us. Now, you have been to Tasmania first before we get into this. You, you're, you're, you're Tasman- I have been you a have. few okay. times. Good. I all don't right. get, I, you know, unfortunately with my business and my career, I, it's often short trips for business and then side trips for a tack on a little bit of leisure. One day I'll get to do the whole okay. thing and so, I can't uh, wait. Otherwise this was going to be really awkward. But this is the big seven that we end all the podcast episodes uh, with to yeah. learn more. So um, if you're ready, we'll, uh, we'll kick it off. Your favourite spot yes. when you have been to Tasmania? And why? Uh, well, look, it was long. What springs to mind for me is Launceston because for me, it's always about who I'm with in the experience. And it was a beautiful, romantic trip with my partner. We're staying on this in this gorgeous place with a spa in the room with a view of the lake. It was just amazing. And the food experiences around there, the cheese and stuff, I remember. Lonnie, yeah. So for remember. me, it was my trip to Lonnie. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. And and on all your travels, your favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? Oh, once again, God, you know I'm a diehard romantic, don't you? It's Provence in France. And once again, it was the most incredible. It was like everything came together. It was the weather. It was the company. It was... It was the food wine. and wine. The I was, wine. We were pulling. We were pulling <laughs> the wine. Figs, figs were hanging. It was oh, the wow. season. Figs were hanging on trees over the fence. 
blackberries. Yeah. And I I was way too old to imagine myself as Eve, but I definitely wow. felt like I was in the Garden of Eden. Okay. Yes. Right. Um, I love the comparison. Lonnie's Lonnie. Lonnie, um, romantic France. Beautiful. Um, romantic capitals of the world. <laughs> um, now, someone coming to Tasmania for the very first time in their lives and asks oh, yeah. you, what is the one thing they must see or do? What would you believe that would be? Uh, they have to go to Hobart and do Mona because they're never going to experience anything else like it in their lives, um, most likely. Fantastic. Mm. All right. Now, Overland Track, you familiar with what the Overland Track is? It's the, the big multi-day walk. Yes. Uh, haven't done it, obviously. Yes. No, you have no, done it. No, haven't. Yeah. Okay. So, when no, you do haven't. do it, when you do do that yes. life's changing experience, um, three people, anyone in the world, living or dead, or it might just be your partner, I'm gathering <laughs> from the previous question. <laughs> living or dead, famous, not famous, who would they be? Oh, they're famous to me, my three adult children. Love them, awesome company. We love discovering new places together. It would be amazing. And that would be exactly the way to do the Overland Track. Five days of reconnecting with your kids. I I would have thought that was the perfect way to do the Overland. So there you go. Put that in the family uh, chronicles for uh, one day. Now, you're driving around Tasmania. Uh, What would you be listening to? What's the soundtrack for your your trip around Tasmania? (sighs) Ah, uh, yes. So, for me, you've put my mind, I can imagine how, you've already got me on whatever this is, question four or five. My head, my, my mind is there and I can imagine how I'd feel and I would I would be listening to Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, right, Fleetwood either, Mac. Either, either Tusk or Rumours. You're no. probably too young to no, even no, know. No, 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 no. I appreciate Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done some Fleetwood Mac driving around Tassie over the years. Um, there you go. And when you arrive at your destination of choice uh, in Launceston, uh, tipple of choice? No, it has to be a Tassie Pinot. Tassie Pinot, best in the world. Uh, do you know what I love about drinking wine in Tasmania? It's like you are actually in a wine fridge. Yeah. It is perfect wine. You know, like the temperature's right. You don't have to chill the wine. Everything is just at the right temperature. Yeah. And Tassie Pinot is uh, nectar of the gods. And the last big one, this is a big debate. Now, this debate, uh, it's appreciated. I don't know if you've seen the fantastic advertisement from Tourism Taz about the, the people munching into a, uh, a um, scallop pie <laughs> in, uh, in teeming rain in beautiful Stanley, but uh, it did prompt a debate. Yes. Tassie yes. scallops, uh, curried Tasmanian scallops, are they better curried or would they be better left plain? Culinary delight or culinary crime? I want to take a moderated position on this and say it all depends on the curry. You know, like you can add you can add spice and a light dressing to a to an oyster and still maintain that balance of the oyster with a bit of enhancement. I I would never smother it in a heavy curry, but I think if you can get that balance right. It sounds like me talking about marketing strategy right yeah. here and personalization. Target the oyster, target the oyster. <laughs> I say you could do it, but keep it so you've still got some life in the oyster flavor. Good answer. All right, Liz, thank you for your time. Thank you for your, uh, your passion and, and candor. And, and anyone listening, we'll put all the, the connections and emails. Um, and I'm sure if they uh, uh, contact you via your website, they'll get a very quick, instantaneous response. Um, pre- you bet. They will. All right. Look, thank you everyone for (laughs) listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them every fortnight or so. Also remember to tell a friend or tourism colleague to check out our podcast, particularly this one. Um, This is something that should get circulated to any particularly small tourism operator colleagues that you have um, thinking about their own online marketing presence. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania. I'm your host, Luke Martin, and we'll catch up next time. 